Welcome to A Moment with Modern Mentors, a podcast series by Digital Collective Co, where we soak up wisdom, anecdotes, and actionable tips from Australian startups, female founders, business leaders, industry pioneers, and C-suite executives. Hi, everyone. I'm Alice Pritchard-Davies. I'm co-founder of Huddle Babysitting, and we connect families with trusted, recommended sitters in their local area when and where they need. Hi, it's Mia from A Moment with Modern Mentors, and this is episode six of A Call for Change, which is season two. Today, I'm interviewing Alice Pritchard-Davies. Alice is one of the co-founders of Huddle App, a platform connecting parents with trusted, flexible childcare. I'm super excited to catch up with Alice. Alice and I used to work at Universal Music together for three and a half years before she launched Huddle, and back then it was called Motherhood. Alice is a self-confessed tech entrepreneur on a mission to build stronger communities where everyone has access to the support and resources they need to thrive. She's on a mission to bring back the village, as she calls it. Huddle has a stand-up crew of advisors with the likes of Atlassian, Google and Deliveroo gracing the board. And as well as running her business, Alice has just completed an MBA while driving around Australia in a camper van. She's currently residing in Queensland with her partner and two kids and she has big plans for Huddle in 2021. Hi, Alice. Thank you so much for joining me on A Moment with Modern Mentors. This is season two, episode six, and the title of this season is A Call for Change. We've known each other for quite a while now, having worked together at Universal Music back in 2015-ish, and that was right before you launched Huddle, which was called Motherhood back then. You've had a rebrand. You're now Huddle. You're the CEO and co-founder with Millie Zinner. You are the number one childcare app in Australia, which is no mean feat, and you are on a mission to change the world, create a world where families are able to stay connected and get the support they need. That gives me goosebumps. Every parent out there knows the struggle of not necessarily having the childcare they need, and this is the solution they're looking for. You've got a consumer proposition, and now you've got a business-to-business proposition. We can't wait to hear all about your journey with Huddle. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here and it's so lovely catching up with you finally now. I know, it's been so long. We used to work together at Universal Music. You left and started up Huddle. Yeah, straight into it. Well, I didn't actually, we didn't have that plan, but I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you, <laughs> it was actually after I'd quit, already quit Universal, went for a jog one lunchtime, which I would never normally do, but, you know, once you've quit and you're like, oh, I'm not so stressed anymore, I can take an hour out for myself and read. And, yeah, from all these conversations with Millie, who I was living with at the time, came in this light bulb of we should do something together and, um, yeah. and then called her and we um, we kind of nutted it out pretty quickly. So, yeah, I quit without without the concept but then started it straight away, yeah. Yeah, basically you were in a marketing role at Universal Music. You were kind of like out and about in all the artist and release world, very much kind of like a high-profile job. One day you just decided to resign. I think everyone was like, what? This is crazy because no one no one really does that in the music industry. And you were quite out there in doing that because people kind of get stuck in there for decades. And, yeah. you know, you were brave and just decided it's not for me and anymore. I'm, I'm leaving. Tell us about what happened there. I did love many aspects of the job, as everyone does, and the people there, you know, are just so incredible and so much fun and so talented. It was really more a decision for future me. What I realised, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this, is it didn't feel like the music industry is very 
perhaps set up for women. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I felt like I wanted to have a family one day and with, you know, nighttime gigs on a Tuesday and going to festivals on weekends, it felt like that was going to be really, really difficult. Yeah. And, you know, as you know, you don't get paid as much when your job's really fun. So there's kind of those <laughs> considerations to, yeah, sort of, yeah, really made me think for the longer term. And yeah. Yeah. Once I decided I tend to do this, I just did it straight away, like basically the next day because I just can't have things sitting over me. I just need to get it done. And then there seemed to be quite an an avalanche of people leaving after that. Just I'm sure by coincidence they were just also thinking about it. You know, there weren't many women in senior management and there certainly weren't many mums in senior management. And rather than, you know, taking that on, I just (laughs) felt like... I just felt like for me the better thing was I'd always wanted to do my own thing anyway, so I thought have some space and time to kind of work out what's next. But yeah. then it didn't take long to, to, to take something else on. I was planning to have a little bit of a break, but that didn't happen. <laughs> well, I don't think that was ever going to happen with someone like you. You were very much someone, I remember when working with you, that very focused and driven. So it didn't surprise me at all seeing you come, you know, out with a, a brand new concept and something that you could you know call your own so when you launched and it was launched as motherhood right it was yes how did you kind of come up with that whole concept because you know you you and your co-founder Millie Zinner neither of you were mothers at the time no but where did that idea come from yeah I was living with Millie at the time and she's an actress and was working in production or just left her job in production so we both just left our jobs And so we were having these big chats about, you know, life and our futures and what we were seeing, you know, amongst our friends and just, you know, generally in society is how difficult it is for many women to juggle careers or businesses and and taking on, you know, their unequal fair share of the unpaid work and the mental load as well. And then at the same time, what we were also seeing is this really strong drive for women to support each other and help each other. So the original concept was it was called motherhood it was mothers in the hood so it was more about mums supporting each other and women supporting each other on that journey and helping each other with that flexible support network they need to achieve what they want to in their um, corporate life or, or starting up their business or whatever it is that was really great having a having a really niche specific target audience at launch we didn't really know how far it was going to go or what was going to happen. So obviously lots of dads started using it because it's a childcare app and that's great because we absolutely did not want to exclude dads from, you know, that role. So then we started thinking about um, a name change because we just found that we were having to explain the name. And you don't want to have to do that, you know. <laughs> like a lot of people loved it. So it was quite divisive when we changed it in a way. But I think now everyone's on board with our reasoning because the way to empower women is to certainly make sure dads are equally included in that in that role and that responsibility. And we definitely did not want to, you know, look like that we were suggesting that it was the you know, more so the women's, the woman's role. So that's why the name changed to Huddle, which we absolutely love. Huddle's a collective noun for penguins. Um, And penguins (laughs) huddle together for support. And obviously, you know, humans huddle together for, you know, strategizing and and to help each other. So we thought it was nice because that's what we're all about. Oh, it's awesome. It's, I love that name. I mean, I I think you're right. Like I remember when you changed the name and I really been on board with the motherhood statement but you know huddle was perfect as a second option I think you're right like it probably sounds like you had seen that your audience needed to broaden out to be more accommodating to men which is something you can only learn in the process of doing it right 
Yeah, that's right. Because we thought, you know, it might be this really great, strong network of women supporting each other. And that would have been great too. But it, it didn't. It evolved into something else. And we just wanted our name to make sense. Yeah. And also penguins are quite famous for sharing the childcare responsibility, if you could call it that, or what are they, what are the baby penguins called? Anyway, they share it quite equally, 50-50 with the mum and dad penguins. So we thought that was pretty cute. That's so awesome. Yeah. And actually we've seen the most incredible change in the number of dads using our app, like the proportion of dads and mums has shifted dramatically since COVID. So Before COVID, we were sitting around 15% of dads posting jobs and now it's hovering around 30%. Wow. um, Which is incredible. So we're really hoping to get to gender parity this year and have 50%, like 50-50 mums and dads posting the jobs. And it's it's quite an interesting time because I think maybe as a, as a relief for a lot of dads that they can actually be involved in the raising of their kids. Whereas before we were, I mean, it's hard to imagine only a year ago, we were still very like divided into men and women and certain roles and responsibilities largely because of the way our you know government supplies childcare benefits to women going on maternity leave and men going on paternity leave i mean 2 weeks of paternity yeah. leave is still our mandated government you know support for men doesn't really make sense but now with all flexible work and people you know men being able to stay home the world has shifted so incredibly Yeah, it's amazing how quickly that's happened. It's incredible. And with really big companies changing their parental leave policies to be, you know, equal and inclusive for dads is just amazing. And also, you know, leave for women who've had miscarriages. And there's certainly a lot changing very fast, which is really great to see. And we're excited to be part of that. You launched Huddle and you launched an app in the App Store, which is obviously the basis of the business, right? The ability to have an app that allows you to book your babysitting needs. Do you want to just talk us through how the app came about, you know, development of the app and and getting it in in the App Store and things like that and now where you're at in terms of the app itself? Yeah, so basically after Millie and I kind of had these chats and decided we wanted to do this together, we we were so green looking back, but we were so, <laughs> we had such big goals and big vision for the business. <laughs> so we kind of just sat down at a cafe in Paddington, you know, spent many, many hours just sketching down in notebooks how we thought it was going to work. And Millie was incredible at really seeing the future of where things were going. Mm. Um, and, and pushing our, you know, our MVP in that direction and not being too kind of too simple. You know, from the start, it was hyper-local, which is really important, which is why we launched on mobile, not desktop, because busy parents, you know, out and about needing to kind of have it in their hands. So that's why we decided to go with an app build rather than a, a website so that it could be really convenient and, and fast and easy for parents. So we kind of like basically Googled, how do you write an app brief? Because, <laughs> you know, I've written a trillion briefs in, in my life for marketing campaigns, advertising campaigns and things, but I'd never written an app brief before. So <laughs> I was sure there'd be a template on the internet. And there was. Um, so we you know, started filling that out and just really nutting out how we thought we wanted it to work and then we went out got quotes from different developers and realized that we couldn't afford to do it um, <laughs> and then we yeah we kind of scratched together all our savings and then worked with a, um, a developer in Australia who loved the concept and we gave them a bit of equity in exchange for a much kind of lower upfront cost to get the MVP out they've been incredible and they still are the founder of that company is now our CTO oh, um, wow just amazing so 
yeah, we got, you know, looking back, it seems like just a lot of luck in many ways and a lot of fortuitous conversations when we had, you know, quotes from a company in India that looked very, very appealing. Yes. <laughs> and then someone, you know, just said to us, do not, you know, do not use that company because, you know, it's very unlikely you'll get the communication back fast enough and, yeah, and it's just very, very hard to deal with a company when you don't know the people personally and have that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the connections, you know, obviously having two co-founders, you've kind of got double the network, but then you're recommended people through your network of people. And that's kind of been beneficial to you in the terms of getting this app up and running. Yeah. And now obviously you've built a long-term relationship with, with a company and a CTO, well, founder that's now the CTO, yeah. which is incredible. What kind of, you know, application was it at the time and what kind of application is it now? What's changed and evolved over those five years? We didn't use a designer. So we didn't use a UX UI designer to build it initially. We basically designed the screens ourselves and then the developers kind of created them pretty close to our designs. So that has been the biggest change now. We did a complete redesign in late 2019 and it just looks so much nicer. It just <laughs> looks quite, for, I mean, for starters, we used this kind of light lavender purple originally and that just doesn't contrast enough with white on a, on a screen and we did not know that. So <laughs> um, that's why professionals are really, really helpful. <laughs> yeah, we've just, I mean, we've got loads and loads and loads more features. It's more intuitive. But it's never, it's never quite where we want it. We've always got a lot Another list of, of, of things that you want to action. Huge long list, yeah, of, of things to <laughs> Only limited by time and, and cost, right? Yeah, that's it. You know, just resources. <laughs> Finite resources is what we're dealing with. Biggest, you know, challenge and question, what do we do next? And Yeah, and which order to put them in. Yeah, that's right. There's a lovely framework to work it out, which one of our advisors taught us which has been really, really helpful. Just basically, you know, how hard is it versus what's the likely impact and then kind of putting that on a, on a matrix and then working out from there that you do the ones that are the least resource and the most impact. Oh, I love that. That's great. And so you've kind of got the app launched. It's, it's looking better now. What are the main kind of stat differences? I know you said that you've had a shift obviously in the mail skew on it, but how have you kind of managed through, I'm, I'm assuming people not knowing you in the beginning and kind of getting your business up and running and out there and known how have you grown your business so it's actually a business because you started quite local as you said area by area and now I I went onto your website this week and you've got kind of like the whole of Australia covered and all the major cities yeah we do we certainly have it covered definitely mostly active on the east coast so Sydney Melbourne southeast Queensland still are our major major markets gosh how we got it started I mean we had probably several key moments that really impacted our growth. We early on got on the Today Show, which was just massive. We had a thousand downloads overnight and then, you know, continued downloads for for weeks and weeks. And we did that ourselves. We didn't use a PR agency. So I definitely encourage people to just reach out to journalists, have a chat, you know, find out what they're interested in writing about or doing stories about and, you know, talk to friends who who know about PR and, and just give it a go yourself. So that was one we got into the Startmate Accelerator program, which is an incredible program, which gave us some cash and an amazing network of advisors and, and other um, businesses that, you know, we could learn from. So that was one. Then we got a, our formal advisory board together from amazing, amazing people. The product advisor is ex-Google and now at Atlassian. Tim Fong, who's the CEO of Airtask, is on our advisory board. And that's obviously 
you know, very similar business, but much broader across many more verticals. So he's just unreal with that marketplace experience. And then Levi Aaron, who started Deliveroo in Australia as well. Wow. This is an impressive board. They are unreal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And how did you attract all those people? What was the kind of starting point for all that? So Joelle, who's our product advisor, we met through Startmate and we just gelled with him. He really loved our vision and what we were doing. And what usually happens is these people just, people in the startup world are so generous with their time and they love to help because they know how hard it is, yeah. um, especially other founders. So, and when they, you know, when they're passionate about your mission and what you're doing, they just are so generous with their time and knowledge. So Tim and Joelle had been kind of just helping us out. Like I met Tim again through a contact at Startmate and just met him for a couple of coffees and a couple of chats. And he's just always been so helpful and so supportive of us. So then one day I kind of went and presented our whole strategy to him and then asked him to join our advisory board. And he said, <laughs> yes, which was unreal. So, and then Levi as well, we um, were just introduced to, and you can just tell when people support you as founders and believe in you as founders, that's the most important thing mm. because it's so hard and you need those people to pick you up at times. Yeah. People you can be really raw and honest with and open about challenges and, and issues that you're facing as well. So it's like a family. They're just so incredibly supportive no matter what and just anything they can help with, they're there. So. And has that meant that they've kind of helped? Have you had people kind of lean in to help with funding and raising money or has it been self-funded since the beginning? We've raised little bits of money here and there. So we funded the MVP ourselves, as I said, through scratching together savings. Then we did the Startmate program, which you get some funding through. And then we did a crowdfunding campaign. So that enabled our customers and friends and family to invest as well. And then we got the Boosting Female Founders Grant. So that's all the funding that we've had to date. Last year, as you know, was just super strange. So we kind of didn't do any more last year. We didn't know what was going to happen. You know, we had almost zero gross monthly volume through the platform um, in those down months. Yeah. So it was, yeah, I mean, it was just. Tightening your belt. Yeah. So yeah, we just reduced our costs and focused on our longer term strategy for what we thought, what we were guessing the world was going to be like at the end of it all. (laughs) And Um, how close were you to that? Actually pretty close in some aspects in the the shift, the, you know, really sudden shift to more flexible working because when we originally built the concept, we could already see that trend happening and, you know, a lot of women starting businesses to um, enable that more flexible working, you know, balancing, juggling their families and, and, and running a business enabled more flexibility we were seeing more businesses be more flexible, just mainly to do with traffic congestion and things like that. And it was yeah. just more efficient to let people work from home one day a week or something. So we already saw that trend and we were like, this is going to continue. You know, people need a flexible support network when they're not working nine to five Monday to Friday because, you know, you don't have the same nanny available when your schedule is changing week to week. And then that just absolutely accelerated beyond anything we could have ever imagined to you know, now people really, really need that. And there's really big companies that have gone almost all remote workforce. And so people need access to, you know, to support in a really different way than they ever needed before. So that's really benefited our business. We have, you know, big companies and startups who are enabling their, they're giving their employees um, access to Huddle as backup 
childcare as a benefit. And that was something that was a bit of a conversation that we were trying to have before COVID. And you know what sales is like with big companies. It was kind of a slow process. And now they're coming to us. <laughs> and like, how do we do this quick? <laughs> so what is the model? Tell us a bit about the model for the consumer and then how that kind of changes or if it does for corporate. For access for parents, it's $99 a year and that gives you unlimited access to our network of, um, you know, vetted recommended carers. Basically, they can post as many different types of jobs as they want. If they need a carer all week for three weeks, they can find that or if they just need ad hoc babysitting, they can find that. So it's kind of, it includes everything for $100 a year. Business model with corporates kind of varies on the client, whether or not they need kind of account management or anything custom or whether it's just straight up, they just pay for the access and then the parent expenses the care that they use which is really straightforward for us because it's basically it works the same but the business is paying for it fantastic so basically businesses are getting on board with actually supporting their workers with subsidizing childcare. yeah that's right they're really walking the wall yeah Yeah. there's you know depending on the business a, a budget per parent employee and they can simply expense the care that they use through huddle wow that's incredible that's just how it should be isn't it i mean when you hear about these kind of companies pushing forward with flexible care this is the next level yeah that's right and um it's really exciting to see just how quickly that mindset has changed you know for people who work in people and culture teams or in management and businesses it's really front and center with their workforce being you know in the office monday this week thursday next week yeah it's a completely different world to what what it was before and i mean obviously that seems to kind of signal the the fact that you could scale on on quite a dramatic level because I guess, you know, you can channel in through a corporate, but obviously that parent can then use Huddle for their personal babysitting needs as well, right? So you're getting out to a much broader audience or bigger audience. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of a channel to market, yeah. I've actually used Huddle a couple of times myself, when once in Brisbane and once um, when I was at the snow. I know, I remember. The most random job looking for someone to look after my daughter when we were skiing. Yeah, we found the most incredible yeah. woman. In fact, Poppy, my daughter, still keeps talking. Oh, that's about so cute. Oh, we just love stories like that. And that's the other thing. It's so flexible. You know, you've got carers when you go on holiday. You've got carers if you have a business meeting in Melbourne. Or what we love as well is we have mums with young babies who actually book carers to come to the office and, and look after their bubs in and around the office so they can still breastfeed. Oh, my goodness. That is Brilliant. Yeah. What's the reason that someone doesn't kind of just bypass the app and then leave and kind of find their favorite babysitter and do a private deal? Is there a reason why you can keep people on that in that environment? What's the benefits for the parents? Yeah. Well, what we find is certainly, you know, when you meet an amazing carer, you would love to book them again if you can. So you can actually just message them through the app and pay them directly. You don't need to go and post a job and go your normal path if you do want to do that. And we don't take a clip from the carer's pay. So it's really simple and easy to just pay them and rate and review them through the app. And that means they'll have more ratings and reviews on their profile and then, um, you know, it builds the strength of the community. Basically, the the value to the parent for $99 a year is if that person isn't available, you still have access to plenty of other amazing local carers. So you can just post a job if you reach out to them and they're not free. You can just post a job and connect with someone else and then hopefully just build up an amazing network of support where, you know, we have some parents who basically post a job each night for the next day, just depending on what meetings they have that day. And every family is different. So that's why a marketplace is so great. 
over an agency because, you know, you know what your family is like, you know the type of carer that they'll love more so than an agency might. So you can read their bios and read their ratings and reviews and see the beautiful photos and then you can really get a feel for, for what they're like and book the person that is most suited to you and your family and your needs. And it really is like you're just describing what sounds probably to a lot of people like a dating app. <laughs> and in a way it is, right, because, you know, you've got you know, pictures of the the babysitter with children and ratings and testimonials about them. So you can have this real level of comfort that you might not get ordinarily with a normal babysitter you found, you know, obviously recommended through a friend or anywhere else. Yeah, it's smarter matching is the way we like to think about it. It <laughs> gives parents, you know, the ability to see the options available to them and then to choose what feels right for them. And you can, of course, you can call them and chat with them and, you know, set up an in-person interview beforehand if you want. I love that you call it a dating app because dating apps, I'm pretty sure, don't have ratings and reviews. <laughs> they should, though, they shouldn't they? Unless they've changed since I used them. Um, that's hilarious. Imagine. They really yeah. should. Oh, gosh, that would be quite dangerous, wouldn't it? Sorry, no good. was awful on a date. <laughs> Your whole life's over because someone leaves you a bad review. <laughs> and, I mean, have you seen, I guess, you know, one of the things that kind of personally been through myself, but, you know, one of the things I keep noticing is the amount of families that are, you know, single-parent families, and obviously that adds an extra level of complexity for both the man and the woman. But I can imagine mm-hmm. a service like Huddle would be a perfect kind of compliment to someone who is single parenting or solo parenting. Do you kind of understand your audience by, you know, status in terms of their marital, single, you know, what their status is? Or I don't ask them for that information, but we certainly, you know, get feedback or, you know, hear of stories from customers where they've been particularly helped for that reason yeah we don't have that as data but absolutely um you know single parent families have it a lot harder in many ways and you know we love that we can support that and also families who don't live nearby their you know their parents or their you know their family you know that's actually why we launched in Bondi because there's so many expats and and Mm. have that family support so that was yeah and, and that's just more and more now you know people are it's such a global world living living everywhere so they need it's kind of you know bringing back the village where we've we've become a global village and you still need your local village yeah absolutely yeah and I mean you you know it's quite life-changing just having especially for young families having the ability to go and you know do something on their own without you know worrying about the kids or actually being able to just go and have some time out <laughs> not being a parent um and that bringing back the village kind of quote that you or statement that you use that's really something that underpins the huddle business right yeah that was a really big thing for us when we originally launched was this kind of realization that you know in this modern western society we kind of lost that connection and that that village that we really do need and perhaps humans didn't evolve to care for children all by themselves you know locked up in a in a big home um, <laughs> or a small home so yeah so effectively we're you know we're breaking down those fences I guess metaphorically and enabling parents to connect with the support they need near them whenever they need yeah it's very exciting I'm sure uh, uh, it's very exciting for parents who don't know about huddle already hearing this they've, they've kind of like got the app downloaded on their phone right as we speak so, <laughs> 
How did you end up getting into business? Like you, you and Millie are friends from way back. You were living together at the time. Yeah. She's based in Sydney, right? And you're now in Queensland. How is how are you kind of managing that? And yeah, tell us a little bit about your co-founder relationship. Yeah, so Mill and I played netball together at Mossman Netball Club in the mid-90s. <laughs> so that's how we met and then we went to Mossman High together for a year. We always got along really well and our paths crossed, you know, now and then over the years. And, yeah, I went to Mill was an actress and living in L.A. and I went to visit her and we went on this, you know, really fun trip to Vegas and then she ended up moving in with me in Paddington and that's when, you know, that conversation all happened and, and we started building the business. But last year completely changed, you know, so I was living in Sydney and, you know, we were both living in the Bondi area and then conveniently we were both living in the Northern Beaches area, you know, at the same time. So we were always very close in close proximity to each other but, that all changed last year and Mill had um, her first bub. She had a newborn um, just before COVID hit and I started my MBA. So last year was never going to be normal. Um, <laughs> and then COVID hit and we were like, oh, my gosh. It's really different. <laughs> really different. Then I bought a camper van and, and was driving around Queensland, running the business and doing my MBA. And, you know, Mill was kind of having a big adjustment to having a newborn and not being able to have people around to help because of COVID. So yeah, it was a crazy year, but you know, we've always said that our happiness is so important because if we're not happy, we don't have the energy that we need to run the business. So we're pretty good at kind of, you know, having those conversations and working out what needs to change to make sure that, you know, we're both at our best as the first priority. I'm pretty sure I went way off on a tangent and didn't even answer your question. No, you did. But yeah, we're in different states now. So basically I bought a camper van, was traveling around doing the MBA and, and running huddle. And then I was driving back down to Sydney and planning to come home. And then I met a guy in the Gold Coast and yeah, fell in love with him and his sons and, and his staffy dog and, <laughs> and, the Gold Coast, and then I didn't leave. So I moved to I love it. Bought a house and yeah, I'm settled here now. But Practically, it's not really any different because we were always a remote team anyway. The only thing that we miss is, you know, Mill and I having strategy sessions kind of in person and writing things down on butcher's paper and stuff. But other than that, it's it doesn't really matter where I am at all because everything's kind of online now anyway, which is good. Tell us what motivated you to want to start an MBA in the middle of kind of launching a business. Did you feel like that was something you need to do for yourself personally or was it something that you were, you know, felt would benefit the business or both? Yeah, it was both. It was kind of a chance meeting. I was invited to come and watch the MBA, the last year's MBA students present their final marketing assessments to um, another startup called Sonda. So I went along and watched and then I met the lady who basically runs the program and we got chatting and then she actually told me that there's a, um, a women in leadership scholarship for the MBA and that I should think about applying. And yeah, I talked to Millie and I talked about it and, you know, with Mill pregnant, she was, you know, about to have her first bar, but kind of felt like, all right, well, next year, you know, maybe we'll both be more like part-time on the business while we work on these other two amazing projects, <laughs> me, me and MBA and, and Mill raising the bar. And, you know, some businesses just have one founder. So together we'll, we'll definitely be more than one founder yeah. <laughs> and we'll manage and we'll work our way through because it was something yeah, I felt would be really beneficial to help us grow the business and just, you know, to keep, just to keep learning. And it seemed like such a good, good opportunity because I was offered a scholarship. It was too good an opportunity to turn down. Amazing. And then it was really lucky in the end because it would have been pretty difficult, I think, for me psychologically not having that last year when our business kind of went down to nothing for months at a time. And I was really, really grateful to, to you know, to be learning and to be um, doing my MBA during that year. 
And was that all remote as well? It was in the end. Yeah, it was definitely not intended to be. We did like a leadership course out in the bush, which is amazing with, um, with you know, special forces operatives and things like this. So cool. we got to do that. And then we did a few weeks of term one and then, and then um, everything went online. And have you applied anything into the business from the MBA already or can you see things that you'll be applying? Are there things that you didn't know? I mean, I can't imagine you didn't know much. Yeah, there's so much we didn't know. And (laughs) and I think just knowing you don't know everything and, and having that critical thinking and thought process is probably a big part of it. You know, knowing that you have, I think humans have bias is something that's just hammered into you during uni. And I think that's been a big learning. Sometimes I think startup founders all have a positivity bias because otherwise you know you think oh this is such a great idea and everyone's going to love it and it's going to be amazing and you wouldn't do it if you didn't believe that but that can have its problems too if you're kind of blinding yourself to you know to real problems that need to be solved so I think that's been something that you know I've definitely learned to be aware of that might have been a hangover from the music industry where people were like I reckon this is a smash yeah exactly (laughs) no wonder I ended up in the music industry (laughs) yeah so I think you know you want to harness that positivity but not to the point where it influences you where you're not seeing problems yeah we've really kind of changed a lot on that and we you know we love finding problems and solving them and you know seeing them as challenges And then there's all sorts, yeah, all sorts of other things just with decision making, you know, making sure you're not just in love with an idea and not, you know, really looking at the data. We're much, much better at measuring data and making decisions based off data rather than, you know, intuition or even what customers say, because what customers say and what customers do are very different things. (laughs) Data is everything. How are you collecting all that data? What's your tech stack kind of secrets here? Some snazzy ways and some very manual ways. So, <laughs> the old Excel um, spreadsheet still has a yeah, place. <laughs> we have an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, you can't kind of get one whiz-bang custom dashboard to capture everything you need. Um, I did so, always love a dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> dashboard is still Google Sheets. We do use Mixpanel, which is great in terms of just tracking user activity and funnels and things like that. And then we basically collate data from heaps of different sources so from iTunes Connect and from Google Analytics and yeah we kind of look at it daily but then we do a monthly recap and report of all our data just to make any you know changes or do any analysis we need to and when we're making decisions we just dig into something specific um, and find the data we need to, to help us make that decision. And kind of are there any big learnings that you've had from the data that you can think of or any big kind of like warning signs that have shown up over the time? There's certainly been surprising things that that wouldn't have been what we expected. I don't know about that one off the top of my head, like what specifically data has taught us recently. It feels like it's every day there's something little and that kind of adds up and, you know, accumulates into shaping the app for the future. might seem like a little decision every day that we make. I guess actually one one thing, for example, is our, our key button in the app for what we want parents to do when they open the app. It used to say create a job. Right. And that was because we wanted them to create a job. <laughs> and then we realized that what parents want is to find a carer. Yeah. But we changed it to find a carer and the conversion rate went way higher. Yeah. And, and so we measured that. So that's one example. But yeah, yeah, there's billions of little things like that. 
It must be so interesting just being able to keep tinkering and tweaking and, and checking the analytics and seeing it's how so improvement. Yeah, it's so interesting because you don't know until you test it. And then you just tell someone that anecdote and you're kind of like, well, that's obvious. And, you it know, so, little- <laughs> and I just crack up laughing that like we put that, you know, we even wrote that ever. Fun think, job. Yeah. While, we, while we're building, we're not thinking about it. We're just like, this is what we want. This is what we want. And then it's, you know, the copy changes just get pushed down to not important to get the app out. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we laugh about that one. Well, it's funny actually you say that about copy because that is certainly something a marketer is always kind of tweaking, right? To always I should not have made that mistake. Working, working on their copy. But the interesting thing is, you know, the copy language is such an evolving kind of beast sometimes you know you can write some copy that sounds so perfect and then you read it back down the track and it's not right at all for the moment I mean that's I guess it's a live beast your business yeah. how people are talking about booking you yeah. know, jobs or, or babysitters finding care constantly having to tweak the English language around it yeah, I probably wouldn't understand half the things that Gen Y or Gen X <laughs> carers are saying on their profiles. But what we're really excited to do this year is do more like artificial intelligence analysis of, you know, reviews and um, people's profiles to be able to capture more kind of specifically and, and more accurately what, you know, what people are about and then to match people based off that, like real language, you know, processing rather than tick box type, you know, what do you like, but actually really capturing the words that they've written and, and to use that in a more clever way. So, yeah. And reuse it back to them almost when you're... Yeah, or use it to to match, like to, you know, predict a successful match. Mm. Um, it does really sound like a dating app now, but... You know, you <laughs> might- <laughs> It it might help us to know that, like, for example, one family might book an older carer who is very nurturing and warm for one job and they give them five stars and rate them really highly. But that was an evening job when the baby, you know, the toddler was asleep. And actually the next job, they don't want someone like that. They want someone really active and energetic and, you know, fun who can get down on the floor and play or whatever. And so artificial intelligence will enable us to actually um, understand that better and to match even smarter than we are now. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Hopefully it's a, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big piece of work, but um, yeah, we'd love to kind of really lead the market with that stuff. Yeah. And, and, and how big is the team now? Like what is the size of a team that's kind of building these, this kind of tech, or have you got lots of contractors that work for you? And it's mostly contractors. So yeah, we're pretty lean. We've got five of us full time and then our three advisors, but in terms of beefing up the tech, we, we use contractors just to kind of get a sprint out. Yeah. And then, yeah, cause it's not something we need or we don't, it's a bit unpredictable to be able to have, you know, a big full-time team at the moment. So Absolutely, yeah. Up when we, yeah, when we need, what are your biggest learnings over the course of being an entrepreneur and co-founder of Huddle? One of them was what I was saying before, just about like critical thinking and understanding our bias and, and how our minds work when we're making decisions. And I think also just what Millie, my co-founder, has really taught me is like people are everything and, you know, our team and how we treat our team and our culture and being empathetic and caring towards not just our community but also our internal team has made such a nice environment to work in I think everyone's really really like on board with what we're doing and they're really driven by our mission and they're really caring nice people and it's just like this is you know it's hard so let's let's all you know at least have fun doing it and be really you know kind and caring to each other and then it's it's much easier yeah 
and, you know, life throws unpredictable things at people. And so our team are very understanding and, and you know, pick things up and, and help out and work late or do whatever is needed to make sure it's easy on each other. So really making sure we build our team with the right people from the start has been something yeah, that Millie taught me that I think has been really, really beneficial. How do you get good at recruiting good people? We have our brand guidelines and our brand book and kind of our values and we share that with candidates. But really you just get a feel, you just get a feel for people when you talk to them. Our customer happiness team are just the most divine, lovely um, <laughs> women and their mums themselves, they understand our customers and we just get constantly beautiful feedback about them. Yeah, I think it's just something that's kind of been really natural to Millie and that I've learned from her. You were like that anyway. <laughs> that was you. A little bit, but yeah, Millie's just unbelievably, you know, good people person and just so caring. So we've lucked out in a way, the combination of us, we've, we've built a good hardworking team who love what they do. And so you're up in Queensland now and you said you've repartnered, you've got an, an instant family. What else is on the horizon for you and your business? Yeah, so this year we've got, because we were kind of had a bit of extra downtime to strategize last year, we've, and, you know, as I was saying, we we're kind of guessing what this new world is going to look like. So we've got some really exciting product changes in the works, hopefully really beneficial to both sides of our community. I think what we've tried to do, and I think what sets us apart is how much we care about the carers and the babysitters and nannies, as well as the families in our community and making sure that, you know, they're happy and we're looking after them. And that's how we attract the best carers and therefore we attract the families. So We've got some exciting changes around that. And then just, yeah, working with more and more businesses to enable um, employee benefits. is That's kind of our focus for this year. That's awesome. Yeah, so we're trying to keep it really quite focused on, on product and corporates this year and, yeah, and build that way. And one of the things that kind of like, you know, you're able to do because of this kind of job is have more flexibility. Like what are you doing in your spare time up there? You've got a new location you haven't really known Gold Coast that much before have you no I haven't known the Gold Coast and it's just incredible yeah we have (laughs) we're so grateful to have you know flexibility like Millie and I work so hard but we both are lucky enough to live near the beach and we just really love that lifestyle my partner is a surfer he's a big wave surfer and his boys surf so we're always at the beach and at the creek, at the waterfalls, bushwalking, jogging on the beach, taking the dogs to the park. Beautiful. Yeah, it's lovely. It's, it's low-key and, and quiet. And is there much of a tech world up there? Are you amongst like-minded people? No. So actually, that's one thing I wanted to say. I don't have a network up here. So if anyone's <laughs> listening in the Gold Coast, I'd love to connect and chat if I can support you or, you know, just chat and, yeah, see what's going on. I would love to. So just hit me up on LinkedIn. Perfect. Okay. We'll do that. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap up now, but at the end of each of our interviews, we get our guests to answer two questions. And one is what book has really moved you over the years? Um, Mm -hmm. And you like to recommend. And the other one is if you had a worldwide megaphone, what do you want to say at this point in time? A book that's really changed things for me recently, my co-founder, I've talk about her so much she's amazing <laughs> she gave me this audiobook for um for christmas called the resilience project and it's this guy here and he's telling amazing stories about people from all walks of life that communicates his message about the three principles to finding happiness which are gratitude empathy and mindfulness he does it in just this really funny relatable vulnerable way definitely have not mastered um all of them but i'm <laughs> trying and it's just yeah it's really lovely so i'd recommend that megaphone that's extremely daunting question (laughs) 
I'd probably say don't listen to me. Um, but <laughs> there's lots of really smart people out there who know about important things, like change, Stop being humble. <laughs> <laughs> but also I think listening to our kids, I just also wanted to tell a little story that my partner's kids who are eight and nine gave us a schooling the other day asking us to try a little harder with plastic-free lunch boxes. <laughs> they always pick up the rubbish they see on the beach and they want to campaign their school to get rid of plastic in the tuck shop. So I think, yeah, you can learn a lot, be inspired, yeah so um, and probably one thing for business owners here I here I was saying I didn't want to speak on a megaphone and now I can't stop I would say to business owners and parents don't be afraid to ask for help people love to help others and that's what the village is all about so oh I love it perfect thank you so much Alice this has been such a cool interview I just knew it would be but you know it's it's blown my mind how well and how exciting this business of yours has become over the last five years and you know I look at you and I could have you know it could be five years ago you look exactly the same as ever um and I'm so pleased that you know everything's going so well in you in the business and personally too so thank you so much for joining me it's been awesome thank you Mia thank you for always being such incredible support and a friend and uh, doing brilliant things yourself so <laughs> lovely to catch up make sure you subscribe to our channel and stay tuned for more episodes from a moment with modern mentors coming your way soon